Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This episode of That Dan Band Show is brought to you by the Captain U Recruiting Platform, powered by Stack Sports. Captain U is breaking into the band space to offer support to high school students who are looking to perform in band at the collegiate level. With over 10 years in the recruiting industry and over 3 million student profiles created over the years, Captain U has long been a leader in athlete advocacy and support. Now, it's time to provide that same support to band performers. Captain U creates a direct line of communication between musicians and college band directors. With the LinkedIn style profile, performers can put their best foot forward with searchable criteria like their position, academic info and test scores, audition videos, director recommendations, and potential majors. Performers can directly message college directors to learn about scholarship opportunities, a university's academic strengths, and ultimately place themselves at the right institution. If you are a high school band student looking to perform at the next level, go to captainu.com and create a free profile today. It takes less than five minutes and will save you time and money. And for a limited time, we are offering performers 50% off an upgraded profile by using the promo code TDBS21. That's right, 50% off an upgraded profile on captainu.com by using the code TDBS21 at checkout. Sign up on Captain U, gain exposure, and get recruited. Powered by Stack Sports. And we are rolling. Super excited for today's guest. A very special guest, a co-worker, friend, peer, uh, mentor, etc. So many words. Um, everyone help me welcoming Vincent Thomas. Vincent, how are we doing today? Bright and early on Saturday. <laughs> Yes, I'm doing quite amazing. Thank you. And yourself? Doing great. Doing very well. Um, for people who don't know, if you could just, you know, talk to us about your background, um, you know, both professionally as a teacher in the marching arts, just how did you get to Vincent of today? Hmm. I'll try to do this in a couple of sentences. <laughs> but first, um, I have to give... Um, respect and honor to one my ancestors. Um, and secondly, to my upbringing in my small town in South Carolina, mm-hmm. where movement and dance was a part of what I did because it was part of our community and social fabric. And so um, dancing in the living room with TV shows like Soul Train, Solid Gold, Hee Haw, Lawrence mm-hmm. Welk Show, um, American Bands, and I, and those amazing movie musicals back then, Singing in the Rain, Seven Brides for Seven Brothers, like all of these things were influencing me, and I didn't even know it. So when I look back, I really pay tribute to that. Um, before I even stepped into a formal dance class in college. I was already involved in like, tr- I was playing trombone in the <laughs> middle school band and nice. um, singing in the choir. Um, so, but that singing in the choir was coming from singing in my church in, in South Carolina, Southern Baptist Church. And so I feel like I've always been involved in the arts this way. Um, even 
I'm sure, um, with my head on my grandmother's and my mother's bosom, but especially my grandmother's, because she would hum and sing these um, spirituals and songs from the church. So I think for from a very small age, I was, I mean, from the beginning, I was being introduced and groomed into the arts. And um, so going into high school, there was show choir and marching band and jazz band and concert band and concert choir, like all these things and student government, student council. So I was not knowing then I was working on the social justice, social awareness, political side of who I am as well. Um, So I was drum major. In, in high school band. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and, you know, as drum major, you get to see the, um, you see everything while you're conducting and cueing all this stuff. And so yeah. the, the, the flags and that was, and rifles was a big interest of mine because it was part of this visual thing that I felt like the music was supporting and vice versa. And so, um, I asked my band director then, um, if I could, like do some of that stuff. <laughs> so, and I don't know why I thought I could teach that, but he said, well, sure. So I would pick up the flag and stuff and learn all that stuff on my own time and ended up teaching choreographing for the, the that fall show during my senior year, Never knowing that what that was going to turn into. So I get to USC and was a music major, a, a voice major, mm-hmm. and um, joined an indoor winter guard. And um, it was called 308 because that was the space that the gym that we rehearsed in. And um, under Chase Mullins, um, another ancestor and um he was a madison scout and so through chase and that interaction i was just so introduced to a world that i didn't even know you know yeah and um so that's how i came into the pageantry arts and um you know took my very first formal dance class in college and um that just kind of kept spewing out into what's the next thing I can do? What's the next class I can take? You know, and then started teaching color guards, high school color guards during the summer and eventually was asked to be the color guard caption head for Carolina Crown, a new drum and bugle corps out of Charlotte, North Carolina. What year are we talking about for that? That was fall of 89 because the court premiered in 1990. And so um, it, the staff was all of these, just all of my friends from the USC music department, Van Matthews, Don Taylor, Don Flew, Cecil Adderley, like all these amazing musicians and educators, I'll say, and people. And um, so I spent five years there and then I left to go dance um during the summers and said, okay, I'm going to put this on the side while I dance during the summers at American Dance Festival in Durham, North Carolina. And um, so from there, you know, it was like, okay, this dance thing is calling me. So what do I do next? And I was teaching music in South Carolina in Columbia and um, decided to, after some referrals and references and conversations, to audition for Florida State University Dance Department. And they accepted me. (laughs) So I started my MFA in dance at Florida State. Um, And then, you know, just started teaching other drum corps, Southwest, I mean, South Southwind from um, Spirit of Atlanta, um, and then the list kept going, and then I found my way back to Crown. I think it was in 2017, and then went yeah. back um, to Cadets and Boston and uh, some others, and then went back to Crown right before the pandemic happened. Mm-hmm. And so I was there for the December camp, doing some movement stuff, and then of course the pandemic, and the rest is that type of history. So, yeah, so I've been involved, you know, in the activity 
with Wondergard, I teach Mason World and Onyx World and um, consult with a host of other um, high school units and independent units as well. So, you know, between that and I have a dance company, vtdance.org is my company, VT Dance. And so that keeps me extremely busy. So it kind of limits my time to really be with an indoor unit full time. Right. So, um, yeah. So between that and all the other things I'm doing and teaching at a university, it's a it's a busy agenda. It's, the plate is full. I hear you. Wow. A lot going on. That was that was awesome to to hear how it all started. And um, it, it's similar to kind of my, I guess, situation where, you know, my dad was a, uh, a Broadway actor as a child. Um, his mom was very much that, uh, stage mom. They were, they lived in Rockaway beach outside the city and she pushed him aggressively into that space, probably in an unhealthy way. Um, but you know, he, he's a pianist. He, he went to Juilliard for a year and then ended up, um, I think he got his music degree at Manhattan school of music and then ended up going in the direction of actually the culinary arts and went and got a degree in, in that. Um, but him and my mom met, um, when she was working at a restaurant with him and she was a dancer, um, you know, modern dance and ballet and a company as well in the city. Um, so, mm-hmm. you know, it, you don't realize, but like, I feel like very much a spawn of that. Um, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. that it was like semi you know, inevitable that I would go in the direction of whether it was music, the arts, you know, creativity, mm-hmm. what have you. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I wonder, do you feel like these, I don't want to say skills, but do you feel like movement, music, um, that they are inherent, that they are inherited, that there's something that you're born with? You know, I, I'm, I have to say, yes, I, I feel like in our DNA, um, is a lineage that we're yet to continue to unearth. I know it's in my bones to, to the music and movement is in my bones. I just have to access it and allow it to come out and to, to reside and to be yeah. with me. But I, I do, I, you know, I, that's a that's a question that could take a whole podcast as well but I, I i do feel that we all have that in us and at different levels but i do believe that it it is in all of us and how it comes out in expression and personal expression um varies and that's a great thing that's a great thing. And um, so, yeah, thank you for asking that question. Of course. Um, so one thing I was, I was looking at, um, I, I was watching a bunch of the stuff that, that you've put together and it's all very relevant. It's socially oriented. You kind of brought that up in, in your upbringing about the kind of justice, social awareness side of things. And I I'm interested in your perspective, like, how the arts movement specifically are able to express some of these difficult, nuanced, tough, emotional type of situations that we're in as a society, or even just emotions that people go through. How do you feel like movement is more equipped to handle that perhaps than another medium, another form of expression. And I certainly don't mean to like rank anything. So it's not about that, but I feel like movement is specifically interesting because it's not a novel where you can say the words. It's not even a a song where you can sing the lyrics. It's, it's something else. So I'm really interested because that seems like a corner that you are not just invested in, but you're drawn towards. Yeah. And you know, as you're asking this question and, and, giving this description i'm what comes into the forefront of my mind and my thinking like a beating drum like a bass drum keeps repeating this is i think about how we're how we come into the world we come into the world 
quite expressive before we're able to speak, to verbalize, to mm-hmm. form words. So this emotional landscape that we dive into as babies, as even starting in the womb, that is that powerful expression. You can, you know, when you look at a baby and they're happy or sad or confused or intrigued or curious. So our receptivity to seeing physical, emotional things is heightened mm-hmm. in is that heightened form of movement and dance. Um, gestures, like if I do this and I lean forward, then the person wants to reach out and, yeah. and hug or um, so, so they're, they're, they're gestural things as we enter the world and, and, and learn about the world that we do before we start speaking that communicates that communicates. So fast forward to, you know, movement, the power of movement. It just, connects so much to what we were doing when we were in the womb and came out of the womb. So that's my answer to that question. Yes, I I think it's quite powerful. And I think people understand, you know, I think you understand the body. You understand the body. The body is a vessel of uh, narratives a vessel of truths, honesty, um, emotions, like a vessel of all of these things. And the list goes on and on and on. But it's a, it's a vessel of truth. You know, I, I asked my modern three students this question yesterday as we were at the beginning of the class and we were reading um, an essay in Dance Interactive from Jacob's Pillow which is an amazing resource if you don't know it. Um, And they were talking about um, the body and how much history is in the body and how... And so my question to them was, it was a, a free writing exercise on a postcard, and I said, my body is a vessel of dot, 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 and just gave them a chance to just really write and they could write however they want, narratively, poetically, a list. They could even draw an image, you know, whatever that came, how that expression came out for them. Then to have a discussion around that with a small group of others, just to verbalize this, to put it in the air, the universe, the space, um, and how it changed and shifted their dancing that for yesterday and hopefully for points thereafter because they are thinking about the powerful vessel that we inhabit and that we bring into a space. Yeah. I, I keep thinking about body language when you're talking, there's intuition there different, you know, we speak different languages cult across cultures or there's different cultural mores. Um, but there are certain, you know, modes, modalities of expressing meaning that don't require verbal language. Um, I think that's really so interesting, like this versus, you know, leaning in and listening, um, this versus this, uh, you know, closed fist, open fist, open hand, the hand this way, the hand that like, there's this, I, 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 it's, it was, it's interesting where you go to pre be pre born. We're not even born yet. And there's meaning being inscribed into us. And it's not necessarily psychological either. And I, I want to ask you, and it, this hopefully doesn't sound weird, but like, what it, what is it, what is it like to lead your life through something that is neck down? I mean, I feel like so much of like what I've done in my jobs or in my, you know, in schooling has been up here. It's in my head or it's like on that level of consciousness. How do you feel like approaching your, 
I mean, your life through something that is a completely different means of expression. How has that shaped you or changed you? How does that inform you as a person? Hmm. Hmm. Wow. What, what, what a wonderful question, Dan. Um, I think I have to respond first to what happens up here is continually connected to what's happening down here. Right. So you, you say below the, you know, the neck down. No, for me, I operate in this uh, symbiotic relationship of the head, the heart, the limbs, the, the all my entire body. So I could have um, a justice thought in here, and it could come out in this arm, and it'll have some meaning. Um, so they're very connected, I believe. Like, I, d- I don't try to dance and move without conscious mm-hmm. thinking and awareness. Mm-hmm. And my my heart moves and it it, it 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 informs and invites my body to move based on how it's connected to the headspace. So we could even, wouldn't it be interesting to consider that our brain is not only in this cranial space here, yeah. but our brain also is in this space. Our brain is in our pelvic space. Our brain is in our arms, our fingers, our hands. Like So those intelligencies are vast. Wow, yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, how uh, you know, I, I, I um, the I talk a lot about when I'm teaching in, in dance. Um, oh, I see. Um, you know, some people. Oh, I see. Well, oh, I see is organization, integration, and coordination of the body, of the body, the brain, like the whole body, how it's organized, integrated, and coordinated. So it doesn't leave the brain out. Um. So I, I I I carry that with me daily, every moment by moment, and a deep desire to live with a high level of integrity, accountability, responsibility, and standards of excellence in everything that I will do. You know. And, and I'm going to try to have that standard of ex- excellence, not only when I'm dancing and choreographing, but also when I'm cooking or when I'm doing laundry or cleaning <laughs> and when I'm with friends, like when I'm even with you, I'm, I'm, I'm holding myself accountable for a high level of excellence because that's just what I, that's what I, that's what I want to be my mode of operation. <laughs> you yeah. know? Yep. And and so what you're getting from me now is what you will always get, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, even if we're sitting down having a glass of wine, I'm gonna be. I'm gonna have a high level of excellence sipping on that glass of wine <laughs> 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 and laughing and telling stories and you know being yeah. How how do you show up like that to everything? And I I get that sense from you. I mean, I remember meeting you and just like the warmth. I think there is an exuberance of warmth from you. And I remember just being like, you know, like we we could think about all the ways we're different, but I feel like you come to people with the ways that we're the same. Um, and that that a driving factor of like empathy and understanding. Oh, it sounds amazing. I'm I'm just like I'm I'm radiating in it, and it's so. And you can feel it and it's authentic. How did you get there? Because that mm. is tough to do. It's tough to wake up and choose that path. We all struggle with it. Mm. Um, even people who are excellent, even people who have put in the hours, the 10,000 hours. Mm. How do you how do you come to mm. things like that? How have you gotten yourself there? 
Wow. And you, you, you know, you, you even answered it because you said we choose to do, <laughs> you know, and, and, and it, it, it's hard, you know, we are human. So I'll say this, that, you know, I, I think back to my grandmother. I think back to my, um, great grandparents, um, and even the great great grandparents that I don't didn't even know, but I feel them. I feel them through my dad and my siblings and my my mom who transitioned three years ago. Like I feel I feel that connection of that lineage, and knowing that the time that they grew were were on this earth living. And the challenges and the things that they persevered and like all these things. And I'm thinking to myself, I gotta show up for them. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I, I gotta show up for them because they would want me to. They, they require me to, to be excellent. They require that of me. Yeah. So I think about them. Every morning I open my eyes. (laughs) And so going back to this, what you answered, you said, you know, to make the choice. Yeah. So there there might, there might be a day I wake up and I'm like, Ooh, I'm so tired, you know, but, and I want to just sleep another 30 minutes. And then I choose (laughs) to get up and go to the gym and get myself moving. You know yeah, I, I th- you know, choice is it's an interesting thing, you know, and there are multiple choices. You know, this is not a binary thing. But a lot of times I, I know that I choose joy. I choose to have, you know, I, I kind of stop saying I'm doing good when I know I'm doing so much better. And doing good to, to reply with that is a socialized way of Responding. Yeah. When, you know, no, I'm, I'm doing great considering this and this and this and this. I'm doing great. <laughs> so, and if I can put that out, and then how am I going to live up into that for myself? Um, and it doesn't mean that I don't have days that are challenging and hard and where I struggle. But I'm going to try to be real with that moment. I'm going to try to live in it. I'm going to also try to be curious about it and how and how and what can I do to change the narrative? You know? Yeah. What and how can I do to change the narrative for my next step? You know? If you're walking down the sidewalk and you're walking and you see a pile of shit, do you just walk and step in it or do you choose another pathway? So, you know, we're so good about choosing and we do that improvisationally as well. Yeah. You know, um, and that creative play, you know, I, I want to live a life where I can creatively play. You know, I, I always say dare to be fearless in your serious play. Mm. And, and and for me that you know it gives me fuel to not just do the okie doke and be okay. It's like no, I I'm gonna have serious fun in the serious play, and I want to be fearless. You know, we live in a world where there's so much mediocrity. I don't want to add to it. <laughs> you know, basically, yeah. I don't want to add to it, you know? So I think about what, what, ty- what type of world do I want to live in on a daily basis? And then how and what can I do to create that? Are you looking for a high quality apparel made exclusively for the marching arts? That Dan Band Show is brought to you by Lot Riot Apparel. Lot Riot was founded by a drum corps alumni with a mission to create the premier apparel brand in the marching arts. And he definitely accomplished that goal. There's no other brand out there like Lot Riot. 
No matter what band event you go to, you will see Lot Riot clothing being worn by members, fans, and instructors alike. It is literally everywhere. Lot Riot is the brand that bonds the marching arts community together. They have a passion for band and have a real stake in their customers and the activity. With Lot Riot, you're part of a greater whole, a group of friends, a community. I love Lot Riot because they draw on a minimalistic streetwear aesthetic and use high quality materials to create cool, comfortable clothing. Their brand fits my personal style super well, which is why I am proud to have Lot Riot as a personal sponsor, as well as a sponsor of this podcast. Lot Riot is currently offering listeners of That Dan Band Show 15% off all purchases on LotRiot.com. Simply go to LotRiot.com and use the code DANBAND, one word, at checkout, and you will receive 15% off everything you buy. But that's not all. Listeners of the podcast use the code DANBAND will also receive an exclusive Lot Riot That Dan Band Show pin and sticker pack for free. So go to LotRiot.com right now to get 15% off your order and a free sticker and pin pack using the code DANBAND at checkout. See you in the lot. It's 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 very inspiring. I, I think to hear your your mindset about the autonomy you choose to to believe in, um, I think that that leads to accountability and responsibility. I am responsible for my choices and my actions. I'm not going to excuse my actions or my attitude on my situation. My situation is dynamic anyway. Uh, we're not stuck, right? Um, and some people are more stuck than others, but it's important not to get stuck in being stuck. And But it starts with you have to be looking at the ground where the shit is. That's the thing is the part that you didn't start with was when I walked in the street and I choose to step in it or I don't, it has to start with I'm looking for it. And I feel like a lot of us and maybe the world at large has informed us to go like this. And it's like, only look this far because of who you are and where you're from and what you have and what you don't have and who your friends are and what your job is. And like, so this becomes your, um, your focal point kind of gets narrowed. And I think it's so interesting to hear the way you talk about things because it's so without the restrictions of I am this, I'm this, I'm this, I'm this. And therefore I see like this, right? And I, what came up for me was like age, like, you know, I'm 31 now I'm turning 32 next year. And it's like, sometimes I feel like I'm doing things or thinking things that like aren't for me because of that. Or like sometimes I, I think like I can't be thinking or feeling a certain way because of, of some other node in my identity, for example. And it's like, that's not real at all. That's not a real thing. That is a complete fabrication or fiction that's we we are embedded in or is, you know, engraved in us because of factors, multiple factors. And what I wanted to ask you about, I'm super curious, is I was looking at, you know, the Towson website where you're a professor and I was looking at the um, one of your um, areas being movement skills for men. And I, I was like so intrigued by that because, you know, I, my background, um, is, you know, I was a drummer, <laughs> snare drummer, uh, drum set, obviously playing a jazz band, you know, doing all the things that you were kind of reflecting on in your own background, eventually going in that very, sm- you know, like drummers go and they just like go in that direction. And I almost feel like you have to do that to, to, to get to the level that I wanted to get to. And like, honestly, never even envision getting to, but, um, in, in going in the direction of that, we're going in the direction of various things that, you know, I've done or whatever. It really doesn't afford you the certain modes of expression, or it doesn't give you the opportunities to express that way very frequently. Um, you know, I, I stumbled into situations myself, uh, you know, eventually pursuing an English degree and then eventually kind of being pushed with like women's studies, women's gender and sexuality studies, which I did both in my undergrad and graduate degree, being the only straight guy in an entire department of women's studies. And in those situations are where I feel like I was able to go into this space that you are capturing without fear, to speak without fear, to 
engage or negotiate ideas without fear, um, to write poetry and let things be the unconscious come forward. So much more than you get to do in the day to day, at least that I feel like I, I carve out time for, I don't always feel like I go there anymore. And it's like, I miss doing that. You know, I miss, I miss being with people who are so different, but we, we find the commonality right away. And you're like, no one is that different than you. I I sometimes feel like we, we are in a, a time where it's like, it's cool to identify the differences and then like polarize yourself from people because of that. Like that's very hip right now in a way, or at least I feel like it is. And I want to get back to to what I was asking is is like this, this expression and movement skills for men. What is this about? Like, I know it's not like, you know, men, women, like we're not going to get super like, like, I, I don't, I don't want it to just be about gender, but like for me as a man, as a straight guy, right? Like I don't feel like, I feel like I need this. You know what I mean? I feel like there's something in there that could really help me unlock some of these unconscious things that have been buried because of what I'm supposed to be. Um, so I don't, I don't know if that's like a coherent question, but hopefully you, you understand what I'm getting to. Yeah. It, it, it's interesting. The labels that we invite or put on ourselves even with you just you saying you are a straight male. Yeah. I, I don't need that. You could just say, I'm a male. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, and so with one, these identifiers, I think uh, we're socialized to embrace. And in this particular class, it's called Movement Enhancement Skills for Men. Mm-hmm. And it's a course for... Um, males on on campus and it's a movement class they are the ones that say i'm taking a dance class i say we're in a movement class <laughs> because i know the preconceived notions and thoughts are around thoughts of a guy taking a dance class yep so so there's a lot of word um shifting and and recalibrating of words that happen within this, but also, uh, you know, they basically learn about their body and moving their body through this idea of OIC, organization, integration, and coordination. And at the same time, we're unearthing this word masculinity, mm-hmm. you know, yes. from, from day one, from moment one, we stand in a circle and we look around, wow, this is a, space filled with males, with men. And what does that say and mean to you? Knowing that we're going to be moving our bodies and and doing things you probably thought wasn't masculine or male, you know? And so it's about breaking down and melting a lot of those ice cubes for them so that they can understand that their humanness, their humanity, that the human being is at the center of what my work is, you know? And so, yeah, it, it's, it's, um, I always say that you will be challenged, but we're going to have so much serious fun in this challenge and you're not going to be alone. We're in here all together doing the challenging thing. And um, so one of the aspects of this, what I've been doing is I used to, I have this workshop called Father, Sons, and Other Guys. And in this workshop, it's, it's an interactive workshop that really excavates this word, masculinity, of how you define it. You know, how did you learn it? Where do you want it to be? And so what I've just, what I've started doing was taking a day to in the semester to do that workshop with them, and it has been one of the most profound things for them because I can see it and read it in their writing. I can see it and hear it in the way they communicate and talk with each other. I can see it in how they hold their bodies up differently without fear. Um, and so it, it's quite amazing, you know. But throughout the 
every day in the class, they're learning movement, dance concepts, moving across the floor, you know, all these things that we do in a dance class. But having a lens and of critical analysis, not judgment, because those are two different things, of, of critical analysis about this word that we're still curious about. And so there are four agreements that I offer to the space and that I post so that they can always see them. And, and they are, one, to be full of your value and free of judgment. And we talk about what judgment is and what having a critical analysis is. One is healthy. One is toxic. You know, the second one is to be curious about my learning. So we might do something that we that you've done before. How can you be so curious about that, that you unearth something new about your learning? We might do something that you've never done before. Instead of retreating and having fear about it, be curious about it and step into that. The third one is to acknowledge the many faces, names, bodies, minds, experiences that are in the space and to know that each and every single one are valid and valued. So, you know, I've had a class where there was a transgendered male in the space. I have classes where they where there are gays, straight, bi, you name it. And it's not about judging those labels, but it's about acknowledging that identifier of self and finding the true value of the human being, not the label, the true value of the human being. Um, and I've had a young man who was blind, visually impaired. And now I have a young man who has one arm because his other arm was, you know, was, was taken off. You know, so so it's a space for these young men and myself to grow daily in who we are. So that's what that class is about. And I will invite you any Tuesday or Thursday to come up and join the class and just experience it. You know, um, I have a live musician, a, a percussionist who's in there. Yeah. So one day you let me know which Tuesday or Thursday afternoon you can come and spend the afternoon with me. I'm super down. That sounds that sounds cool. Did you go? I know you said there was like four. Oh, oh and the, the fourth one is to um, have serious fun. <laughs> so those are the four <laughs> yeah no I, that sounds awesome and i would fully do that because i need i need that that sounds like so important and honestly like it really actually answers a question that i asked you earlier which was about the way that we can express difficult social issues or ideas through movement i feel like one of our major issues or, or frictions right now, at least in America, is around masculinity. Um, it, totally. And we might call it some other things, or we might, I don't know how to say this, we might prescribe people with different intentions, but I ultimately think that it comes down to the way men are being socialized is not really functional. Um, or healthy or or healthy and it it comes out looking like this attack you know we look at misogyny white supremacy racism ableism all the isms and it looks like this directional thing and what i feel like is it is a issue that's inside because masculinity, modern masculinity is not a sustainable or necessarily healthy identity that we, we grow and crawl inside of. And I, I, I can think of moments in my own adolescence and high school and college where it's like, man, like what the fuck, you know, it's just like, it's, it's, 
it's not any it's it's not so insidious that it's like someone telling you how to be it's insidious in that you you grow this armor where it's like i can't express certain things or i am like i'm like i'm walling things off or i'm like acting in a certain way and then those symptoms come out as some of these like really massive issues that we see um and and whether it's the way masculinity is represented through our politicians and our president or the way that it's represented through our home life it's threaded everywhere um so like i i'm i'm very attuned to the issues that are befalling marginalized people and especially historically the way those injustices still remain throughout different structures and institutions that's that's very real and i believe a major root of that is masculinity and it's hard to talk about this because it's like boohoo guys like oh guys you know on the totem pole you're at the top you know it's like whatever it it really (laughs) in a way it's 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 tough because you want to actually get to the root of these issues and in a in a way i think we're alienating men and we're not allowing us to excavate some of these very deeply embedded issues and men that would help us move past the isms. Um, and I just, I see it as this perpetual issue where it's like, you're a guy, so you, you can't talk on this. You know, you can't speak on this. And it's like, well, you're really pushing those individuals into the areas that got us here. Uh, and I, I just wonder about, I think what you're describing about this class is like what we need socially we need a, a social program that's that's movement and expression for men because we are you know it's like the 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 enlightenment era dualism of like we we're leading with our head and not with our hearts and and you said it off the jump is it's not binary um it's it's way more integrated and i just i wish there were outlets to break down this wall that we have put up as men. And, and there, there is. So uh, I'm all about actionable steps. So I would say to you, well, let me just say to a comment you made earlier about this totem pole and men being at the top of this totem pole. If that is so, if, if that is true, Let's recognize the strength of the totem pole and who's underneath those men. Probably strong, powerful women that we stand on their shoulders as well. Mm-hmm. But I would also say that that totem pole is it, each each layer is gendered differently. Yeah, that you know that totally. I mean, if if that is a that particular construct to to entertain and to visually use as a metaphor. So I just wanted to say that. <laughs> but uh, actionable steps. So, all right. So I will come to the Mason drum line and give me an hour and a half and we'll do this workshop. How many do you have all, is it all males or is it females in there too? Yeah, we have, we have a mix. It's, it's predominantly identifying males in the drum line. Okay. So I would do an an hour and a half with this workshop with them, you know, because otherwise if we're not doing something about it, we're enabling bad behavior or bad systems that are not conducive to healthy living, et cetera. Um, yeah. I appreciate so much of all what you said, you know, and what's, what's interesting, you know, that is permeated in so many things that people take in from social media, music, <laughs> religion, church, <laughs> you know, yeah. like politics, of course. Like look and look what's happening in Texas with this abortion law. Yeah. Like who's at the top making those decisions? Are they really putting that decision? solely in the hands of women to come to the table and decide. And this is how toxic 
behaviors and isms come into to play, you know, and how we allow them to, how we allow them to come into play, you know. So, any chance where that type of com- like that particular con- conversation comes up, I don't care who I'm in the company with, and I hope it is with politicians. I'll say, males shouldn't be deciding that. This is not their body, you know. Yeah, you said so many things that I I had thoughts about, but those are some of the a few. But that's that's absolutely an example of of what I'm talking about. It's just like why do people feel the need to exert power over someone's, you know, body autonomy? It's it's power. You said the word again. It's power. You know. And that fear of losing power, power and the fear of losing power in placement on the totem pole, placement in the race. So maybe the race doesn't, the, 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 the race doesn't finish like first, second, third, fourth, fifth, but maybe the race finishes all of these people together. I mean, I think we, we, we do those and how we buy into these systems that are inevitably also breaking us down and so that we feel helpless <laughs> in so many ways. But shifting the narrative and in in our daily work, in our in the ways that we can, and some a lot of times those are small acts. And the small ways eventually will make big impacts. There's there's a lot to it. It's it's hard to it's hard to nail it down. I I, I don't I, I worry about the way that the labeling is so. It, it's almost like the thing that can't be spoken. It's, it's like you can't get to the problem without putting a word on it or a label on it. And in doing that, you're defining it. That, that becomes part of the perpetuation of these like strict ways that we have been formulated. And, and you're, you've said it a bunch of times and I, I'm so with it is like, maybe the totem pole is not a vertical pole. Maybe it's a pile. And maybe the race isn't a race. <laughs> maybe it's maybe it's a relay race. Maybe it's something else. Maybe it's in the water. Maybe it's over the mountains. It's not linear. And I feel like in the actionable, actionable steps thing, I think is just massive. It's like, what can you actually do to break out of some of these constraints that we feel like we are sort of embedded in? And I, I just feel like the language and the, the need to use language at times it reifies and strengthens the label. It reifies and strengthens the definition inside of it when that's not the intention. So it's, it's very, it's very difficult. It's difficult to break out of using language, right? It's like this idea, one, one of these ideas, we're, we're going in crazy directions, which is, this is just like so much fun for me, but it's like this idea that femininity and masculinity are not stable and they are not, only available to the the person that inhabits them. I'm a guy, so I'm masculine and women's feminine, whatever. But as you move across that spectrum, it's very hard to break out of those structures. Um, if I want to identify as someone else, something, some person else, different human, it's like you have to move across these lines that are prescribed. It's very hard to get out of that. So like, obviously an example would be the way I dress. Um, like I, I am very interested in clothing and the way I dress myself. And like, it's something that I care about. It's not necessarily masculine, but does that mean that it's feminine? Does that mean that it's over on that side? It's like, it's like you can't, and, and I get like, I catch shit for it, you know, like in a, in a daily way, it's oh you care about shoes and clothes and whatever. And like, that's weird. And it's like, 
Well, I do, but it doesn't mean that I'm any less masculine or that I'm not in touch with my masculinity, or it doesn't mean that I'm feminine, but it's like, we have, we, we only have the reference points we have, I guess is what I'm trying to say to make an actual cogent point is it's hard to step outside of it at all. Because of what you don't know. Yeah. But you know what's so, what's so interesting hearing you talk about that and your clothing and that that excites me. You know what I mean? But we are we are we come into existence with all of these qualities. You call them masculine and feminine. We we I have you have those we all have masculine and feminine qualities, characteristics in us. And so caring about what how you're dressing and what clothing you're wearing does not, should not comment on one's social, you know, socialized construct of masculinity or femininity. Mm-hmm. And so the issue is not with you. The issue is with the person making that judgment because they haven't done a critical analysis of that word and why they even got to that point to say that about you. Mm-hmm. So you can't hold on to their shit. You step around that shit. Don't step in it. Yeah. Let them stand in it because that's their work that they have to do. And they have to realize that they also have feminine qualities within them too. You know, and that's why I, I really believe that this workshop is so powerful because these young men in, in my class, they realize they realize from the get-go how they were socializing themselves and they were able to release that and say, oh, dog. But then they, they would be able to, the next moment, be in a better place. Yeah, I, I, I totally embrace those characteristics of myself that swing on a continuum <laughs> of humanity <laughs> of humanity not just masculine or feminine that of humanity it's a human thing you know when you come out of your mother's womb they used to show this in movies where the doctor would slap the baby's butt mm-hmm. to get what reaction so cry right crying is an emotion and then, so if that is acceptable at that moment, why would a man, a father say to his son, boys don't cry? Well, the, you tell that to the doctor who hit me when I came out of my mom's. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, why did they try to evoke that emotion out of me? So it's quite interesting to really unpack that and to even, you know, bring it thinking about the pageantry arts, how does those show up in the pageantry arts? And how can we not enable that with our language or our way of being? And those are small actionable steps that we have, I feel that we have to do, you know, because some of those systems were created by overly masculine thought (laughs) and and how does i mean does that serve how does that serve the activity and those young minds that are coming up in that and then they're either buying into that situation or they're helping to change it you know and i feel like we are change agents you know we have to be if you're teaching, there's no way you're telling the students to just do the exact same thing they've been doing. It's it's inherent in our relationship with them is to it's the you're teaching them that they can change. It's not about playing faster or pointing your toe with more articulation early or late. It's you're actually coaching them and teaching them that they are capable of change. Maybe the example is technical, but the overarching concept is you are able to change. 
or you must be able to change to be teachable. And if you are not, that shows up in all these different places, all these areas that we are talking about. So I, I love that. I, it, 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 the relationship with the marching arts is, is so much that because our relationship with the students is, it's very intimate in a way, I would say. We ask them to do things that are out of their comfort zone, to perform, to inhabit spaces in a different way. And that has a resonance in the way they show up, like we were talking earlier, to the other areas of their life, knowing that they have changed and that they've experienced change in an explicit and nameable and actionable way. And I think that is, it's, it's not about telling them that this is wrong or this is right. Like you were talking about boys not crying. It's like, hey, but if some boys don't naturally cry, it's not like that's wrong either. And I feel like telling them you're a meathead dude, no, it's like the way you express yourself, any way you express yourself is okay. Let's not limit what it can be. That being said, we know when things are painted as the the average is where it gets weird. Um, when, when it's about the statistical regularity, when it's about, it's like the IQ thing. That is a measure of one tiny granule of a person, but we make it about, it's so much bigger. So it's like the standard is, I think, what we're talking about. Oh, we have to abide by a standard of this. And we've identified that the standard in society maybe has been limited to a particular type of person, a particular identity, and that's just not the reality of of almost anyone's lived experience. Yet we constantly try to get, we are influenced to go back there. I need to be Tom Brady. (laughs) It's like, you don't have to be Tom Brady. You can be anyone you want, but but it's that, that narrative of fulfilling a role. I need to, you know, I need to step into my role as a this. And it's like totally bad for almost everyone. And it's not actually real. Even those people that inhabit the perfect identity, that's the standard of of being. If the totem pole was actually vertical, those people aren't actually experiencing it like that. So it's very much about interpretation. Like I think you nailed it when you're talking about the interpretation happens from from a person seeing not from me absorbing it. The absorption of someone's interpretation is is me allowing it to take shape. When the reality is a person's negative or ism interpretation from their eyes out, it's really only toxifying them. It doesn't have to go out and and kind of be the, the smoke that just kind of becomes, I can't see that it's there anymore. That's very much the, the metaphor, I would say. It's like, we, we don't need to allow it to get smoky. We can just see through it. Um, and I, I think it is very much like not allowing th- that to get absorbed into your being because the interpretation is totally, it can be passive. It's not, I think when we talk institutional structural level, it actually, it becomes a smoke that we can't see anymore and that we can't smell on our clothes anymore. And it's there. And I think we've started to identify it. And I, I think parsing out the moments when I have a decision around that is really important. I'm not going to allow your interpretation to have anything to do with me or you identify you're actually exerting a power influence over me or students or an organization that's negative or positive. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, that's not really a question. It's just, just no, response. No, I, I appreciate that comment and that response. Yeah. What a direction we went in. We're we're at our hour. I hate to say it. We we are at our we're at our time for that was that was a that was one of my favorite ones that, that I've done. It was great. You never know what you're gonna get out of a Cracker Jacks box. I know, I know. I have this list of questions. So I was like, I don't really use any of these, but um, one, I need to get down to this uh, this session at Towson. 
So I'm going to follow yes. up with you about that. Yeah. Two, I need to follow up with you about coming into Mason because I like, and, and I'll talk to you about our show on the side, but it's so perfect. It's so perfect for it. it the show is embodying a lot of what we're talking about. I would just say that on a human level, it's, it's a human idea. It's not a, this, that, whatever it's, it's a human idea. And I think what you're talking about is it's really needed for anybody. It's not just men. I think it's, it's for everyone too, but I, I'm going to, I'm going to get you in there. And, um, this has been just so much fun and it just went by, like <laughs> it went by so quick and we could, we're going to have to follow up on this and do another episode. Cause that was just like yes. inspiring yeah. and just very, very fun and very activating. Like I feel very inspired by, by our conversation. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. Now we can, we should do another week. We can do another one. <laughs> All right. Part two, everyone. We're going to, we're going to come through. We're going to get more than an hour on a Saturday morning, but this was like so, so worth it. So fun. I'm glad we could work our schedule out. So everybody, thanks for listening. Um, if you have not yet, check out VT Dance, check out Vincent Thomas's work um, on the website, vtdance.org, like he mentioned. And uh, thanks for listening. And Vincent, thanks for jumping on here with us. Thank you. See you later, everybody. Bye.